RMA would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Dharawal people. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people listening today. So I ended up with just eight tickets, which was, yeah, so to be pulled out with eight tickets. Um, and one of the biggest years, I only drew out 220 tickets this year because of the COVID year. So all the, there was a lot of tickets already withheld for two years. So yeah, so I had six, over 66,000 tickets in that barrel and they drew out 220. So <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. But, you waited that long and you qualified and qualified and qualified and qualified. Were you qualifying for the hope that you would just one day get that ticket and your name yeah. come out? Oh, look, I was hoping I'd come up soon because I'm not getting any younger and I thought, yeah. <laughs> so really, I just kind of, yeah, you just hope, I said, I just said, I hope it comes up while I can still run. That was my biggest thing, while I can still yeah. do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, I have a very special episode planned for you where we talk about all things Western States Endurance Run. My special guest is Sydney runner, mum, PT and Australian ultra running representative, Simone Hayes. Simone was lucky to have her name drawn out of the hat this year after putting her name in the ballot numerous times, year and year and year after year, with the hope that she would get her name drawn. And it was this December just passed. And Simone was lucky enough to stand on the start line and run her little legs to the finish line this year. I talked to Simone all about her desire to run Western States, what the race is like, and what we can learn from her experiences. Simone is not a stranger to ultra running, having having run so many ultra races, including representing Australia overseas in the 24-hour World Championships I really loved this episode with Simone. She's a really easy person to talk to. As you can hear, her voice is a little bit croaky because as we talked about in this episode, she has just recovered from about of her second COVID infection. So the quality of the podcast audio isn't what it is usually, but you can understand what Simone is saying. And we had already postponed this episode a week uh, in line with our schedule to be able to bring you this amazing episode. So please bear with us um, and I know you're just going to get so much out of it. For those of you that know a lot about ultra running or trail running, you would have heard of the Western States Endurance Run. This run is 100 miles and it takes place in California's Sierra Nevada mountain trails in June. It starts in Olympic Valley and climbs a total of 18,090 feet and also descends 22,970 feet, finishing in Auburn in California. This race is one of those races that are on many, many ultra runners bucket lists. And I wanted to talk to Simone about her race experience at Western States. I had a few people that I knew that went over and ran Western States, luckily this year, whose names were drawn out of the ballot. Um, But I specifically wanted to talk to Simone because I wanted to find out specifically about her training and how she adapted for this race. And at quite such late notice, I guess, she only found out she was running in the event when they drew the ballot in December this year. And um, she didn't have very long to train. But Simone, as you'll hear in this podcast, is no stranger to ultramarathons. 
having started her ultra running journey just a few years ago when she says in this podcast she was conned in running the North Face 100, which is now called UTA. Since then, she's kept up running ultras year after year with the hope that she might get her name drawn out of the ballot. And as you will hear in this podcast, it's not a very easy thing to happen. And Simone was one of the lucky ones who was lucky enough to run this year. So we talk all about her rise to ultra running and what she's learned along the way and specifically about her race at Western States and what she learned during that process. I hope you love this podcast episode as much as I did. Let me introduce you to Simone Hayes. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Hi, Simone. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hey, Nick. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you on. Um, obviously, for those who are listening that don't know, you're a local runner to me um, here in the Sutherland Shire, and I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I have been following your running journey for a long time. Um, you are actually someone that I look up to as a runner. Because not only are you an amazing runner, but you are a mum and you juggle all the balls just like everybody else. You have your own business. And yeah, I just thought it'd be great to have you on specifically today to talk about your journey to ultra running for those that are interested in ultra running in our community, which is a lot of people and trail running, Mm -hmm. but also especially about your journey to Western States, which you competed in this year. And so Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. Thank you again for having sorry it's taken so long because I haven't had a voice, as you know. I've been picking up still a bit croaky, so apologies if I sound like a an old smoker. I'm not. <laughs> no, you definitely Just are not an old Second smoker. time, second time COVID sufferer. <laughs> Thank, yeah. Thanks to coming back from the States. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of amazing, right? Because I haven't even had COVID yet. And some mm-hmm. people like yourself have had the double whammy like how well let's quickly talk about that like how has that affected you like since coming back from the race like oh look it's affected i first got it in january so i think i got quite sick the second week having covid i was all right the first not too bad the first week and the second week i got i suffer with asthma but i only really get it only bothers me when i get a cold or i get sick so um yeah the asthma kind of flared up with the COVID because I went back to work like seven on the seventh day, you know, I was like back straight back into running and training and doing what I probably shouldn't have done. So it was a lesson I learned the hard way to not rush COVID. Um, Cause I really did. I came, I came down with a um, secondary infection, which then became a um, bacterial pneumonia on top of that. So I had a lot of, so I really, so while I was trying to train for Western on back of my head was I've got Western States, I've got Western States, I should be training. And um, I really struggled till about April to get a big, you know, good training block on. And I was under a lung specialist and things like that to try and get me back on track. And he was saying, oh, you're not going to make it. And I said, wrong answer. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fix me. Find, find something. So, yeah, you don't know me. So he was really good, this doctor. And he, and he got me there on a lot of puffers and bits and pieces and five courses of antibiotics I think I had in the end. And um, finally, yeah, sorted that out. So, yeah, I had ended up with a really good training block beforehand, but it wasn't as what I would have liked but um you know in a perfect world when is it 
I guess when you're busy and things like that too. But yeah, I would have liked to have yeah had a, been, been a little bit fitter than I was going into Western States. But so yes, yeah, so I got over there feeling fine, really, really good. And I was um, and after the race, so because I do get asthma, I always cough a little bit after a long race. It's um, it's been a heart race, so I started coughing as I normally do with my asthma for two days, and then that really quickly turned to pneumonia again. And then so I ended up in the you know doctors in the states got some antibiotics and soldiered on because I still had a bit of a trip to go. I had my husband and some family there. So we kicked on and um yeah, it wasn't until when I got home about you know, three days later that I actually went to the doctor by default with my daughter. And when I spoke, they wouldn't let me in the doctors to see that. So they kicked me out because I had no voice. I couldn't talk. And they said, I said, I haven't got COVID. It's just, I've just got pneumonia. I've run a hundred miles. It's not COVID. I got really cranky and indignant. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it turns out they wouldn't see me without a PCR test. So I turned, I, I was positive I had COVID. So I think I probably picked it up on the way home or in the second part of the trip. I'm, I don't think I had it during the race, before the race. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I know, know right? another friend who I spent a lot of time with over there, he actually tested positive two days after the race. So I could have had it then. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm still getting it. Yeah. So since then, I'm still sort of, yeah. Back to, back to where I was back in April trying to get over that again. So, yeah, so not ideal, but, you know, yeah. the pandemic's not ideal for anyone. <laughs> so No, it's not. Wrench. And, like, I think, yeah. too, the lessons are that, I mean, it's hard, right, because you've, you've got this race looming over your head, then you get COVID and, and like anyone who's got something that's really important to them, they want to keep pushing through and training. And I guess now that the race is over and you've had COVID a second time, what did you learn lesson like what are the lessons you learned the first time around that you're not going to repeat this time around in terms of pushing your body too hard returning from COVID a second time it's a great question because I've t a lot of the athletes that I coach have all had COVID and have all you know got events coming out and I've, I've from what I I'm sort of don't do what I did the first yeah. time around definitely and you know it, where they say you know you're seven days isolation I I really think it's three to four weeks yeah. at least before you're starting to feel before you, before you should start doing anything so I'm um I've taken it really easy since I've come back I've just going we're doing what I do at work and I'm not pushing myself at all if I've got to stop and walk during a run with my group I stop you know I just I'm just not going overboard um, I, I can feel my limitations and I'm just listening to my body now so I just want to really get over it now and get back to normal so yes i do advise anyone that's had it I, i'm sort of telling my clients you, you, your week your first week you've got a bit of a cold the second week the respiratory stuff kicks in even though you start to feel better and so all the cough and all that stuff and that's when you tend to i think get if you're going to do any damage it seems so that's yeah, the second week i think you should be careful and then the third week start walking start feeling getting out some sunshine you know moving a bit just and then maybe if in the third and fourth week you feel like you want to have a little job go for it but don't yeah i think that fourth week is really i know everyone's different and it, everyone's recovery is different um but i've seen a lot of i seems a lot of healthy people a lot of runners seem to be going down a lot worse than people who aren't as fit and healthy and whether that's we've we're a bit impatient and we just think we're fit and healthy so we should be better faster than we what we actually are and take it a bit for granted so yeah, it's um and, and some people are you know, some people are just lucky and just sort of breeze through it, but yeah, that hasn't been my experience with me twice and with a lot of people they've all sort of said it's oh it's hit me harder than I thought. Mm. And, yeah, and I was a bit of one of those I was one of those people that said it's just a cold, it'll be all right the first time round. But yeah, I think definitely it's it's more than a cold and you've got to take it seriously and look after yourself, yeah. So yeah, yeah definitely. 
Well, I wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, you obviously are a PT, so you have your own PT business and you have your own clients that you train for all these types of races. Um, and not only that, you know, you compete in them yourself and you've competed in them for quite a long time. And I was actually this morning looking up, I don't know, I think I just Googled you, Simone, and your results came really? up on the UTMB list, like of all the races you had done in the last, I don't even know how long. Um, and I was just like blown away, actually. I didn't realize that you had run so many ultra events, including like 100Ks and 100 miles and that sort of distance. Um, and obviously you've done Coast to Cozzy as well. Um, and I was just like, wow, like I'd like to know like how you got here. So I wanted to ask though, if you could think of one word to describe how you got here, what might that be? <laughs> Clond. I got cons to do my first my first ultra, and wow. um, and then I, and stupidity would probably <laughs> gullible, gullible, um, yeah. gullible maybe yeah um, yeah I had a friend who I think you know as well um, Pete Collegrieri he's a, a good friend and a physio who I went to I, I was only running half marathons like that I was pretty much doing yeah Sutherland to surf yeah um, and I did I ran two half marathons and I think I've I discovered the honeymoon stairs and started doing it so that was my trail running running a little bit on the honeymoon stairs which is our local little not it's our trails and have been a trail so now we know how much bigger the national park is besides the honeymoon stairs <laughs> but um yeah and I he um I went to him I was injured and after doing my first or second half marathon and um yeah he just I don't know much must have mentioned I'd run on the honeymoon stairs and was local and he said oh you should you should enter the North Face. I said, what's that? And he said, it's 100 cases. I said, you're an idiot. I'm not doing it. And, um, <laughs> and then a friend I was running with and training with at the gym or wherever we were sort of, we'd get out and do a bit of running together. She, he, she was also seeing him for an injury and he said the same thing to her within the same week or two. So we got talking and said, oh, he thinks we should do 100 Ks. He's an idiot. And us two idiots signed up a week later. So that's pretty much how that started. So I had really never done a trail event and had never run longer than a half marathon. So, wow. but I, we kind of went, oh, let's do it together and just, you know, hold each other's hand the whole way and just see what happens. And um, that's how that started. So we signed up and we, I think we had six months yeah, to train for our first meals. And I remember he took me, um, took us both out for a run. It was about 17 Ks and, um, Sarah didn't take any water because she thought she'd be all right. I and mean, she nearly died because she had no water. And I nearly died just because it was 17 Ks of uphill and trail and just horrendous. And I remember getting back and having to get the kids from school and I had to just sit down on the lounge and I didn't think I could get back in the car to get them. I was just so stuffed. So, yeah, so I was just, well, what have we done? But we we made Tuesdays was our day neither of us worked. So we both had these all-day Tuesday to go out and run. So we dropped the kids at school. And then, you know, eventually we were running until we had to pick them up. So we're out there for sort of six hours each Tuesday, just getting our long runs in and more out of um, fear, I think, of what was coming up. We were just, we put a lot, a fair bit of training into what we ran. We did a lot of training for it. But um, when I say a lot, not look, nothing like what I would do now. So I've learned a lot along the way. But we, we had a good, he, our mate who conned us into it gave us a lot of good advice. So we, our, what we learned was to be specific to the course. And so, you know, being, you could never sort of, I think prepare for the stairs and things like that unless you've got someone telling you to 
do it or if you wanted to you've seen them yourself so um yeah so we long story short we got there six months later we were crying on the start line thinking what have we done we are so punching above our weight here what frauds and we were and anyway we just got it and did it but i think at no point during that time did i think i wasn't going to finish i was 100 percent sure that i was going to start there and even if i had to crawl to the end i would get there in the 26 hours i had to do it and so i think that having that determination is just something you've got in yourself that and that's what I carry into most races with me. I just say, if I'm going to enter, I, I know I'm going to finish. Regardless of the time, I'm going to make sure I cross that finish line. And I think it's still to this day, I have. I think I've only had, you know, one or two DNFs and that due to, one was this year actually up at Noosa, which I pulled out because I had been sick and I didn't want to ruin my Western States lead up. But I, so I sort of planned beforehand to pull out early. But, um, yeah, so... That's um I think yeah that was how we started so that was our that was my first North Face which is now obviously UTA and I've done yeah. I think nine nine of them now <laughs> so yeah I was looking through going wow look at and like when you think about the first time compared to like because I was looking some of your results as well and I know results isn't everything let's just put that out there it definitely isn't everything but you know you've obviously learned a lot of things along the way because you can tell from your first UTA or you know north face to your most recent ones that you're obviously such a stronger runner now like what sort of things have you learned about yourself not specific to even just uta but as a runner um that have i guess worked for you um along the way in terms of helping you with your performance i think the biggest thing is um and i think with any ultra running i think it takes you sort of three to four years to really get yourself into that um groove of being able to run long distances and for your body to adapt yeah. um I, I think it's something that you can just go out one year and then just nail it the next year if, you, if you're going to continue to do it it's um it's, it's consistency for me is the biggest thing and you know once i sort of got starting on that longer distance running and doing it every year and year after year after year it, it got easier in terms of the training because i think you get to a certain point and as long as you can maintain that and you can tweak a few things and get stronger on hills and stronger on stairs but your body just adapts to being out there for longer and longer and you, you know you, you, you obviously your body burns more fat you can kind you can you can just get used to eat, getting away with less in training when you're eating you say you've got a bit more energy you don't need that constant fueling that you might need in the earlier days um but consistency is the biggest thing and just i just you know i kind of um you get to that point where i'm not going to stop until i decide to stop so i'm not going to stop training because i know how hard it is to get back if you had a year off i think it'd be really hard to regain it so i've kind of and, and you know i enjoy really enjoy the training the training for me is you know a massive part of it i love a lot of people hate the training but enjoy the events mm. i love the training too and i don't think you can do this sort of stuff if you don't if you can't get out there every day and have to do you know four hour run if you can't go and enjoy it to some extent um it, it's not going to be fun in the long run you can't do it year after year after year so i think my first north face was 2011 so I'm going on 11 years and I've pretty much been doing it consistently for 11 years now and um, and I still love it. Yeah, it gets harder and I think as of the last couple of years as I've got a bit more competitive and I've, you know, obviously got, was you know, went to world champs and things like that and my track, I, you know, switched to track ultras, that's all been different and that's hard in itself. I found, you know, it's they're just different races and I think, yeah, it's not all, it's not all fun. <laughs> can yeah. be some days it's just hard long just hard work but if you're motivated to get the race done you'll do it and i think unless you i, I wouldn't enter the race if i wasn't determined to get through the training side of it because that's you you can't just buff your way through these things and to do 
these kind of races, like you really do have to love, especially these long, these long races. I mean, you talk about world champs, like you're on a track, like for, you know, 24 hours or whatever, like how you got to have to love it, even when it's oh, hard, you know, that's you right. yourself through the training and to put yourself out there. And not only that, like to take yourself over the other side of the world and to do all these things, it's costly, you know, it's time away from your family. So absolutely. The training's time away from your family too. So, you know, when I first started, it was a challenge with my, my kids were a lot younger and um, my husband was kind of like, oh, you did a half marathon. Oh, you don't have to do that again. You tick that off. And I was like, oh, so when I did a second one, I remember him saying, I just thought you never said you would, I just said you were never doing another one. And I went, oh, come on, I'll do another one. So then when I told him I was entering 100Ks, as soon as I finished, he goes, oh, you've ticked that off. Oh, I'm going to enter again. Yeah, so... Poor yeah. bugger. He's <laughs> long suffering husband, but you know, now he comes, travels around the world, me and he's my crew and he's and he's great. I mean, he doesn't like accruing his hard work for anyone that's crewed a long event and Western States was had a lot of challenges for crew. So it was a huge experience. But yeah, he's he's already said he's not coming back. So if I again he's he's out. I think Coaster Cosy, he's done once, he has that's it, I'm out. He's experienced it, he's seen me experience it for the first time and he says no. Now I've done it once. So, yeah, yeah it is, it's very trying on the family. And that, I mean, like, but I'm self-employed so I can fit my long runs in sort of during the week and try not to impact the family as much. I always tried to sort of make sure I was around for sports and things. But it just, yeah, it's definitely, it's time, really time-consuming. And the other thing too, I, I love running with people. So all my training, I love, that's why it was so much fun, was all my training was always with friends. And, and as it's, as I've, in the last couple of years as my training's you know grown and i've had to do a lot different a lot of different sort of things and be out for a lot longer i've lost a lot of training buddies because you don't they don't want to click it they can't they don't need to come out for six or eight hours with you they don't want to or certain things like that so yeah I've, i'm lucky i've got a I had made some good friends in um on the team on the australian team and a couple of local friends that are happy to still run along with me and they're doing the same thing so yeah so yeah that changes a little bit so yeah, yeah i've I've done a lot of solo running in the last couple of years, which um, again, that's something you've got. You've got to want to do that to be out there all day, just with your. Like there's podcasts <laughs> and things to do. So I've listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of playlists. Um, but yeah, just I try to just make the most of it and get out there and yeah, yeah. eat a lot when I get home and sleep yeah. a lot. Go to bed at <laughs> Run, eat, sleep, repeat. <laughs> yeah. Say hi to the and kids and good night to the kids. <laughs> you mentioned like, you know, you have done Coast to Cozy. How many times have you run that race? Only once. I've crewed it twice and I've run it once, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure I was injured that. last year. So, yeah, I didn't enter last year. I hurt, I hurt, pulled, tore my hamstring first day of lockdown. Yeah, so okay. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be able to crew it again. So crewing that race is, you know, probably as much fun, if not more fun than running it. But, um, yeah, it's an, and I crewed it. I created it in 2016 as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good race. Yeah. So. I mean, amazing, amazing event. And hopefully one day I'll get to cruise someone there. I mean, I'm looking forward to hopefully if Jenny can get to the start line, maybe I'll get a, a, an option of crewing her. But um, yeah. I asked about that race because I wondered whether that was like kind of a um, – a good learning experience for what was to come, you know, if you've, when you finally got in the ballot at Western States, like I wonder if you learnt a lot of things about how to push and endure in 240 kilometres. So obviously Western States isn't as long as that, but it's still got its challenges. And I guess every single run that you have competed in has kind of brought you to 
the next moment, I guess, in your racing career. And I wonder if you learn anything in that experience at Costa Cozzi, for example, that helped you or put you in good stead at Western States. Yeah, for sure. Costa Cozzi is, is a very different race because it's predominantly road. Um, and But what we got at Costa Cozzi the year I did it was um, we didn't expect was the heat. It got up to 40 degrees going through the Monaro Plains and it wasn't, it's, wasn't meant to be that hot that day, so I hadn't prepared for that heat. So um, it was a real, like, oh, hang on, we've got to really adjust here and slow down the pace and just, I was like, my crew had lots of ice and ice blanket, they stuck towels on my head. And so it was really um, just, okay, I can't do anything about this. I've just got to run slower. And and it was, it was a good, that was a good learning curve. And I did take that, any things I did like that, I took into Western States and it was hot at Western States. I think they said it was the eighth hottest year. So um, in my mind, I was like, well, I've done it at Coast Cozy without preparing for it. I just managed that. Well, I'm going to be okay here. It was a lot hotter. Again, just different heat in um, Western States, but yeah. Um, and I'd heat train for it and things like that, but I didn't do any of that for Coast Cozy. And Coast Cozy is a lot longer too. So um, similar to Coast Coast Cozy, I just said I wanted to get to the 20, get to Jindabyne, which is your 180k mark. So in my head, get to that and be in good nick so that you can then do the last 60Ks, which is all uphill from Jindabyne to the finish. So I just, my thing was just, take it slow and steady and you need to have legs to get you home to the last bit. So I didn't want to crawl that bit. So, and that was good. I actually came in pretty much dead on when I wanted to at Jindabyne and I felt really good and not really good, but pretty good <laughs> after 180 Ks. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, and I had a really strong, my last 60 Ks was actually a really strong six, last 60 Ks. So um, it was my first time there. I didn't know. And I think my biggest thing for that race was to come home and get my crew back was to finish. So I had, you know, I had a rough idea of what time I'd like to finish all going well, but basically, and this is how I went into Western States, was as long as I come home with that hat or come home with that buckle and I'll finish that race, I don't really care. Yeah, you've got, I'd be lying if I'd say I didn't have my personal goals and what, I, what, I, what I'm capable of achieving, what I think I can achieve, but so much can go wrong out there and um, my stomach's my biggest nemesis in a lot of these races and, it, you know, my stomach went a, a bit at Costa Cozzi too, so I had to deal with it um but yeah so i think just getting through that with um just you know again like just pacing yourself for me that's the biggest thing like i just i've got that fear of just completely being curled up in a corner and not being able to finish the race because i've ruined myself so much so i'm a i'm a slow starter i like to start all these events really slow and just take my time and get it takes me 30k to start to feel good so if i i just find if i just cruise and stay happy as long as i can and you know, just deal with things early. Um, that's been the biggest lesson. So, yeah. G and W miler was a lot, was longer and hard, like harder in terms of elevation. And I've done that not for Western States and Coast of Cozy. I was kind of like, well, I've done G and W. That's, you know, if I can get through that, I can get through this. Western States isn't as, it's not as long, it's not as hard, but very different. Yeah, very different. And very I mean, yeah. on so many people's bucket lists, especially ultra runners and trail runners, mm. which is why I wanted to talk to someone who's been there and done that. And especially a mom and a woman who's, you know, just juggles everything to get there. Cause I think, you know, it's over the, you know, it's over in America. It's not even on our soil. So mm. it takes a lot to actually get to a start line. And not only that, like with Western States, you have to go in a ballot. And I wanted to know, like for you, like how long had it taken you to actually get your name drawn out of that hat? 
How many, many years, years have you been waiting? Seven years. <laughs> Seven years. That's a long time to keep it's waiting. A long, long time to keep waiting. And it's a long time because you have to keep qualifying every year. You can't just, it's not like your ticket just sits there and it oh, one day it gets put out. You've Every year you've got to re-enter and do a qualifier. So that's one of the reasons I ran UTA every year was just, it was a good one to get to. We've only got three here in Australia to qualify for Western States, which makes it a bit tricky around the rest of the world have got a lot of other races and that you can enter like americans have got stacks they can enter so it's a lot easier for other countries to get in but we've only got three races here and that's uta black hall 100 in in queensland and surf Coast century so they're the only three so it limits you so if you want to run a 100k qualifier which you have to do that every year to keep your ticket in you've got to do one of those races so for us it's other we're in new south wales we travel to Queensland or down in Victoria or we run UTA for me it was just UTA was a no you know, no brainer and it was a race that I've obviously got a lot of clients to go for it's a great race to be involved in and it's easy to easy for us all to get to so yeah, yeah so seven years but out of that seven years I only had eight tickets I should have had 32 tickets but I only had eight because of the two COVID years yep. they roll your tickets over but they didn't give us any extra tickets those years and um, I think one year I took a buy you're allowed one buy Right. which um i think the year i did elephant trail race but i didn't have a qualifier that year so i ran that race instead so i used my buy for that year so like, that was three years i didn't get tickets i didn't do because they double every year so right. yeah. so i ended up with just eight tickets which was yeah so to be pulled out with eight tickets um and one of the biggest years i only drew out 220 tickets this year because of the covid year so all the, there was a lot of tickets already withheld for two years so yeah so wow. i had six over 66,000 tickets in that barrel and they drew out 220. So, <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. I, you waited that long is. and you qualified and qualified and qualified and qualified. Were you qualifying for the hope that you would just one day get that ticket and your name yeah. drawn out? Oh, look, I was hoping I did come up soon because I'm not getting any younger and I thought, <laughs> So really, I just kind of, yeah, you just hope, I said, I just said, I hope it comes up while I can still run. That was my biggest thing, while I can still yeah. do this. So, yeah, so I, I did, I was actually, next year would have been a more convenient year for it to get pulled out, but it got pulled out this year. So you just got to yeah. go with it when it gets pulled out. So, yeah, wow. so I mean, how husband. old are you? Are you allowed, are you, are you open to telling the listeners how old you are? <laughs> I'm 49 this month. So, yep. yeah, so I did, was hoping to get it done by the time I was 50, so. Yeah. yeah, but in saying that, there's a lot of there's you know a lot of fifty year old runners still out there doing it. So um, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, uh, that's my age. I don't, that's not an issue. But it's like how how long is my body going to let me keep doing this for, and mm. how long do I want to keep doing it for? That's the other thing. Like I've always said, until I if I stop loving it, I won't keep doing it. I'll just yeah. So mm. wait and see. Wait and see. Well, it was your year, and your and your name did get called out. So what were you feeling like when you finally heard your name? And how did they say it? They said like, how did they Simone, pronounce your name? Simone Hayes is from Jimmy Bay. <laughs> it's not Simone Hayes from Gimey Bay. <laughs> I love it. That's so cute. Yeah. So I got up to. I've never watched the lottery ever in all the years that I've been in it. And I just something I just said, oh, I might get up. I'd actually had a couple of wines the night before. <laughs> And I said, oh, the Western States is on time. I'm going to set my alarm, get up and draw it out. So I did. So I got up and listened to it. And I was sitting there like half asleep, just going, oh, come on, this is going to take forever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was 15th drawn out, so I came up pretty early. So and I remember just sitting here going, 
Oh, is that me? That, that, that's me. That's me. That's that's me. And my son had just actually got home from a night out. It was about three thirty, quarter to four in the morning. So he'd been out on the town too. <laughs> and he was like, "What are you doing, Mum?" When I told him, he was like, "Oh my god!" Because they know how long I've been in it too. So he was pretty pumped. And then he said, "I'm going to bed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did listen for. I listened up to about a hundred run, hundred runners drawn because I was hoping that I'd hear someone else I knew. But yeah, mm-hmm. but, oh, but he's pretty amazing in the new. I went down thinking my husband would be awake going well, but he was asleep. So the next morning I just I woke up and I said, Did you hear I got in? Did you hear I got in? And he said the whole neighborhood heard you got in. <laughs> so I must have been a bit noisy at 4 a.m. Oh, I love it. And I love that it wasn't just you like that got drawn out of from Australia either. Like, and there was quite a good yeah. local contingent of Sydney runners too that got drawn out as well. What was that like for you knowing that there were other people that you could share that experience and, you know, going over and chatting? I know you had a chat group and you were talking about it before at the race and everything like that. How did that help? Yeah, well, it was amazing. Like, I didn't know who got pulled out because I didn't hear any Aussies before I went to bed. But um, it was the next morning I woke up and I got a message from the chat group that added me, added anyone who got in on that night to the chat group. So that was really cool to have them straight away jump on and say, oh, you know, congratulations, guys. So we got to know all those guys. So there was 14 Aussies in total to start with. I think 13 ran in the end. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not sure how many finished, but eight, seven or eight finished. So it was, um, yeah, so it was really good to have that chat group going. And we had a bit of a Zoom chat a couple of weeks before we all headed over there as well and saw each other's faces and a couple of the pe- couple of our crew were on that chat as well. So, yeah, that was so good. And then when we, the, I think it was the Thursday before the race, we all, met up there we were all on the chat and said meet in the meet at score and we all just like that was really exciting to yeah. Yeah, catch up and put faces to all the names and then yeah so it was really good and then we saw each other on the court you know out on the course too so it was yeah. it was a really it was to have that many Aussies was really cool and the Americans loved us too we were pretty yeah. noisy I remember <laughs> yeah having a after the flag raising ceremony they had a um big photo with everybody and he was there and all the board of directors and everything and somebody said oh there's some Aozzies here and we've all just gone wow because <laughs> oh my god they're all actually here <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, like, you know you've got to be there for the whole experience right and yeah. you go to everything when you go overseas for a race you you go to everything that you can possibly go to and yeah it's one race to suck up you start to soak everything up for this race because it's just pretty special yeah especially when you've waited so long and mm-hmm. i mean before we get into your race experience um do you want to tell people what is western states and like how far is it and what's a little bit of background to the race and how it even came to be? Okay, well, it's the, this year was its 49th running, so it's been going a long time. So it's actually the um, the oldest trail race, 100-mile race. So it's got a lot of history and it started off as a horse race, um, which is now called the Tevis Cup. So it used to be a 100-mile horse race and um, one year, one of the guys who was riding his horse, he's, I think his horse was lame or he felt sorry for his horse. So he actually got off his horse and he grabbed onto his horse's tail and he walked it. So he let his horse walk ahead and he pulled, pulled, got pulled around on the horse's tail. So, um, and then someone said to him, well, God, if you can run it, if you can do that, you should run it rather than do it on horseback. So the next year a group of them decided to run it. So that was Gordy Ainsley and he's only just stopped running wow. the race. Like he's amazing. Yeah. So, and um, there was a lady we met, she's one of the board of directors there and she was one of the original horse riders and she's since also ran it about 10 times herself. So she was amazing to talk to. So they've all got this, um, everyone involved in that race has just got such a, um, it holds a really special place in their hearts. There's a real passionate 
crew that get involved in this race and that's why they're in there, the volunteers and everything. So they that race, and like I said, it's been going now for 49 years. So it's 100 miles and it starts at Squaw Valley. Well, it's not called Squaw Valley anymore. It's called Olympic Valley or Palisades. I don't call it Squaw Valley anymore. And that finishes in Auburn. So it goes up through, you start up, you go up an escarpment, which takes you to the highest point, which is just under 2,800 metres. And then you travel through some high country, which is just stunning and um, a, lot, a lot more technical than what I was told it was going to be and what I've read about it. Um, a lot of people have said it was smooth, buttery trails and this glorious single track that just flowed. It was, and there was a lot of rocks. <laughs> it was very rocky. What's all these rocks? What are all these rocks coming from? Did they just put these here? Is these new? Are these new? So yeah. I was a little bit, oh, I've got to really watch where I'm going here. I'm going to do an ankle. So it was, that was a bit of a surprise. So um, it's good because it slowed, slowed you down a little bit, especially in those early stages. Um, so then you come through, um, oh, after about 30 miles, you start to descend into the canyons, which um, it, I think all the time I'd heard about Western States, I pictured these, like the Grand Canyon, just yeah. air, granite, rock and all that sort of stuff. But it's not, it's just like a forest of deep, deep canyons at a single track that go all the way down to a river and they cross the little rivers and then they go all the way back up and then all the way back down again. So, yeah, that was... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, and a long, a lot of switchbacks and things like that. Um, yeah, and then um, you come through you slowly just start to descend and eventually you end up at Auburn and that's where the finish line is. So, um, and there's a lot of stuff in between that. But, you know, cross, you cross Rocky Chucky River, which is a freezing cold river that's at about 130 k's. So, um, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of, if you follow the race at all, you all the little checkpoints and things will, would be familiar to you. Um, but, yeah, look, because you are in the canyons, you re you, it's, it's getting reaching nearly 50 degrees in the canyons. So the biggest thing in the Western States is the heat. So elevation-wise, it's not an overly tough race for 100 miles. Like I said, I've done GNW's got you know, a couple of thousand more elevation and it's 15 k's longer than what Western States is. Um, but Western States just have, it's, it's a lot, the climbing's tough, but not, I, mean, I think we've got tougher climbs here in Australia, even in the Blue Mountains. It's just the heat's the different thing too, the dry heat and, um, yeah, to run through those canyons in 50 degrees really does sort of knock it out of you, I think, and you've got just trying to control everything, up, you know, until you get to those points. There's some really good runnable sections too, but if, you, if you've been knocked around a bit, it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, you're frustrated. <laughs> yeah, like it's hard, you know. I had, I did so, everyone said, make sure you train for the downhill. There's so much downhill. So I did heaps of downhill training. And I remember one point in my training I was like oh my legs when are they going to stop hurting like every I can roll over in bed for five weeks at night without my legs hurting and couldn't get out of a chair and my coach said to me oh they'll adapt <laughs> so and they did and eventually my legs stopped hurting and I never had a problem with my legs during the entire race it was just like and my, my legs pulled up fine I've just got to need to get a new stomach well that was one of my questions was it they say it's a downhill race and like so really, was it? I mean, it looks like it on the elevation profile, but were you thinking that when you were running that it's downhill? Oh, downhill was 6,000 metres of elevation. It's, it's, it's a lot of uphill. Yeah, so yeah. it does with it. Going down to, like, the canyons, the, when it's hits down, the canyons are steep and downhill for a long time, and I think that's where a lot of people can smash the quads up. So it's just the type of terrain too. It's quite narrow and and switchbacks, really dusty and slippery dirt, Even but even that's rocky and technical, so... You know, if you can't sort of get down that fairly efficiently, 
it is going to, you're going to break a lot. So it's getting used to running down those downhills well. And then you've got some really just long, long fire trails. They seem to go down a long, long time. So you can push that with, you know, pace a bit, bit that is long. If, if your quads are gone, yeah, it's going to make the last point at the last sort of, you know, 30, 40 miles really hard. So it's, if we, it's, you know, everyone said it's going to make sure you've got to have legs to run that last 30 miles because it's all fairly runnable. So yeah, what do you think was. the draw card is for people like say from Australia even to want to go over and run Western States? What do you think is the reason people want to do that particular race? Uh, I, I, I think it's the enormity of the race. Like it's, it's, such, a, it's such a small big race, if that makes yeah. sense. It's a really yeah. small field, um, yeah. but it's such a huge race. And that, that was one of my concerns with... I was worried I was going to get over there and get so caught up in all the hype of it all, which I tend to do. I get a bit excited. I just get exhausted with excitement and it kind <laughs> of, yeah. I just, and, then, and then by the time race day comes around, I'm just, my head, I've got a headache and I'm, just, I've, you know, because I've got too involved. So I thought that would be the case. But it's um, it's a really intimate race and when you're there, like even though it's such a big race and it's the hype's there, um, it's just it's in, quite an intimate race. It reminded me of like a, bigger scale coaster cosy in a way that was how one way one way i could describe it um but i think maybe just because it's it's the old world's oldest 100 mile race and it's so hard to get into and it just i think it's got bigger and bigger and ultra running's grown over the years too so much that the um, profile of this race has grown and people are interested and i think the fact that we are able to you know a lot of people people are running 100ks go i can throw my head in the ring and do this race so it's it's the availability of it i think you can it's that's out there. I mean, 20 years ago, most people here wouldn't have probably known or cared about Western states, but it's just I think that the sport's grown in popularity so much that yeah. so is the, yeah, the exposure that Western states has now. And, and then we've also got all that involvement now with um, UTMB and um, all, that, all those races that have come over here and with UTA becoming part of that, yes. you know, the linkage into those races. It's just everyone's a bit more aware of it. So... Yeah. And it's like wanting what you can't have, I think, too, because yeah. it's just it's the impossible race to get into. But um, yeah, but everybody says how special it is once you get there. Like everyone says it's amazing. And, and it was. Yeah. And that's the good thing. Like when I was reading your race report, like, you know, they I mean, I think it's 369 or something like that. They capped yeah. the runner runners at and they've always done that since I think it was in the 80s. Um, yeah. But the fact that it is so small you do get that personal feel and you were mentioning like that you'd met some of the people on the board and everything. And one particular board member or person who's involved with the race was giving you some advice the day before um, at the flag raising ceremony. What did he tell you? Oh, he was, he was amazing. Dennis, my, my new friend, Dennis. He just, yeah. <laughs> actually I saw him the Thursday and the Friday and then in the race and then the day after like we just kept bumps and I'd seen him just walking around in Score Valley too he was lovely but he uh, we actually sat after the flag raising ceremony I think for two hours he just stood there and talked and talked and talked Ewan was with me and um a few of the other runners and we just every question we threw at him he just couldn't give us enough knowledge and help and his biggest advice just was go really easy during the first sort of 30 miles of the race when you're at altitude. Because he said, he said, who, has everyone done altitude training? We all actually said no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because... Most of you had only just got your entry, like, what, December? <laughs> a lot of people would get off the wait list. So, yeah, and the reason, I mean, I had access to um, altitude training. Um, the reason I didn't do it was because you're not really up there for that long. And um, so it's something you can get away with not doing. 
I think you're definitely the Americans that live there and train there have got that bit of advantage where it doesn't affect you at all because I did notice it in pockets it was sort of there so he did say if you don't take it you know seriously and, be, and, and sort of respect that altitude it'll make it can make you feel quite nauseous turn your stomach and things like that and make sure you're drinking enough so and just go really slow he just was like go super slow take it super easy for that first 30 miles until you start to descend below you know sort of 18 1500 meters so and i did that and it looks i just took it easy and you could can you are a bit short of breath we all noticed it if we stayed in Squaw valley and that's at about 2000 meters just where we stayed yeah. so we, all my crew we all had bleeding noses for the first yeah. few days um just and really dry throats so I'm sure it wasn't COVID because no one else got COVID. Sure, it wasn't the COVID. Yeah, but um, and everyone else we spoke to, like I'd go for a run. I went for a run there on completely flat ground, and I came back and I was my heart rate was one sixty five, and I was just like, I can't breathe. I don't know what's wrong. Make you nervous, like before yeah, the and that was about that was probably on the Tuesday morning, and I was like, oh my god, I feel terrible. And I got back, my husband was in the gym, and I was still doing the heat training, so I said, I'll meet you in the big hot tub. And he's he got I said, Oh god, I can't breathe. And he's come out of doing them being on the rower and he goes, I can't breathe. <laughs> so it was both and then a few other runners that said they'd went for a run and we all said we just felt a bit rubbish. Um the next day I ran up the mountain a little bit and that gave me a bit more confidence because I didn't notice it as much. But I've done a bit of altitude training in an altitude chamber here and it's that sort of dry, burning feeling you get in your throat. It's a weird, definitely weird, and that's exactly how it felt. So it was a factor and yeah um if i went back again would i I'd probably maybe do a bit of attitude training beforehand like i said i got a, i got through it without it bothering me it really didn't bother me during the race um but you've got to you got to run to those conditions too it's like when you hit the heat it was the same thing yeah so that was one thing then the other thing dennis said was that you know obviously the heat his aid station was at the top of the probably second last canyon mm. and he said that's where he was like that's where a lot of people just pull out there they just get to the top of that so he was really like just get up to there like it'll take it easy on the climbs and get yourself keep yourself intact until you get there and then after that you know you sort of you're out of that sort of hot furnace canyon so yeah so that was good and when I saw him ever seeing him I came in to that aid station and he's like so, and <laughs> so it was so nice he wrapped his arm around me and walked me over got me and then he said no, okay see you later get out yeah. <laughs> so don't let you hang around yeah so which is good so but when you come into any aid station there's just someone everyone just like i said there's three to five people at any time just running to you mm. grabbing whatever you want and helping you and yeah, dumping buckets of ice i literally have buckets of ice water full of ice cubes and they just go hold your breath and one two three dot this whole bucket of freezing cold water on you and, wow. and some of them stand in little gurneys they squirt in your face to <laughs> Wow. to wash off all the dust and mud and yeah it's, it's, pretty much spending the whole race wet because you've got ice and water yeah. and, and then ice the ice bandanas around your neck yeah so you do dry out pretty quickly between each aid station though you've each aid station you're hanging out for it more water and more ice so yeah it doesn't it's not like it's an uncomfortable wet um unless you're chafed yeah you know, if you, if you <laughs> If you didn't prepare for the chafing um, you, you'd suffer your lube was my friend yeah no i had no chafing flipped <laughs> my way through the race <laughs> so what um what did you do specifically before the race to train for the heat because i mean we we had not the super hot the hottest summer really so how terrible did you summer yeah we had a terrible summer um i did like a, a, a short protocol two weeks before i left so that it didn't really impact my training too much. So I um, 
after every round for 10 days straight, I went to Sutherland Pool, went to the local pool and used their steam room. So straight after, so I do sort of started off with 15 to 20 minutes and then for two days and then gradually and then then went to 30 minutes. And so I was straight, you sort of went in straight from a hot run, as hot as you could get. I try and leave off as many clothes and because it was still cold here. So I was trying to wear thermals and things like that. So I'd land at the gym still hot. And um, yeah, just quickly, I just go in my running tights and a crop top. So I didn't even give myself a chance to cool down. Yeah, jump in there and um, I'd have a quick hot shower, jump in the sauna and then sit there for that 20 minutes. I'd set a timer on my watch and um, just grin and bear it because it was real. I found that really hard. It never, if you said, oh, it gets easier, it gets easy. But yeah, 10 day, I did 10 days straight before I left. And even by the 10th day there, I was just like, oh, I can't wait till this is over. Yeah. Um, People are probably thing. like, what is she doing? Is I know. Is the sauna in summer. <laughs> sitting there dying, killing herself, yeah, because yeah. I took I took an iPad and my um, headphones in sometimes just to try and distract me. But, yeah, it was a, you'd be fidgeting the last 15 minutes going, oh, how am I going to last? How am I going to last? It's yeah. the body screaming at you to get out. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, when I got to, uh, we went to LA first. So um, when I got there and the hotel was meant to have a steam room, but it didn't. So I'd go for a run and then have Mark run the bath in the hotel so I'd come home from and jump in the bath and submerge myself in the bath for 30 minutes which was and I hate baths <laughs> so that was a bit horrible and yeah then when we, when we got to school their steam room was broken oh, and so they but they had a really big hot tub outside in the pool which was had a beautiful view of the mountain that I was going to run up so that was wasn't too bad but yeah again it was just sort of trying to stick it out for that 30 minutes so that's what I did and that I think that helped the heat I didn't find the heat Okay. bothered I wasn't distressed by the heat so it just I managed it but I think pretty much I wasn't distressed by it post cosy either so whether or not it was just you know all the cooling mechanisms I used during the race or just something's bothering you in those races so you know you can't sort of think about it if you thought about every little thing that got to you made you feel uncomfortable you probably wouldn't do it so yeah, yeah and I mean the you heat know was, that, like every ultra race you're going to have moments where you're going to feel good and then you're going to feel crap and obviously your race although you did really well i mean i mean i was looking at your um results and everything and what was like what was your actual goal starting out 24 so yeah i was hoping for a sub 24 which i was on track and then i wasn't so yeah so i just um yeah got once the nausea got the better of me i just couldn't um Mm. I just couldn't climb. I couldn't run anything that would. And as soon as my heart rate would go up, I just vomited. So it just became this. Just as long as I can keep moving forward, mm. you know, I, I, I'm going to get there eventually. So I kind of made. I got a point. And there was. We thought we were going to get there, and we pushed until we got there, even though I was vomiting. And then we hit this big this climb, and I went, "Oh, this really is cruel. I didn't expect this." And then I kind of. So I went, "Look," I said to my pacer, "Okay, it's not going to happen. Let's just let it go." Because I said, "I'm just." getting sick I'm just vomiting more and more and more I don't want to make this a miserable experience and that was really that's what I said I said I'm going to finish yeah I know, I'm go- I know I've got to finish in me let's just get it done I don't care what time I use as long as I get that buckle at the end and let's just yeah. get through it so and I really wanted to fi- run the last couple of k's yeah you know finish and run into the track so I just said let's get me there as far as I can go yeah so that's what we did so it was good and oh she did make after we decided that I think we hit no hands bridge and she said come on you got to run no hands bridge I was like, yeah, yeah, righto. So it was a long, it felt like a really long bridge just to keep running. I was like, mm, just get to the end. And as soon as I stopped, I just hurled. Oh, but you did so well, like really. I mean, the goal's always there for all of us. Like, but oh, yeah. I think we never really are guaranteed that we're going to get that. But 
what you said before, like, you know, you put yourself in there, you're going to finish. And like reading, when I was reading your race report, I was just thinking like of how resilient you are, like, you know, to spend almost like what 60 Ks of that race vomiting violently um, mm-hmm. and being able to put one foot in front of the other to the finish line in those conditions and the heat and through the night and all of that, like, you know, that's a lot to have to put your body through something but you really wanted it and you finished and you're already like you know what you finished 25 31 48 it wasn't like you blew out by hours and hours no. you know what i mean so yeah i think and i'm looking at my splits i can see where i blew out and then i yeah. when I, I looked at the compared to someone else who finished under the 24 and i'd run a lot of that race with her yeah and our back end was actually almost the same so i figured a lot of people are in that same hurt locker that last bit but she was obviously str- where i was vomiting you know probably 20 yeah. miles before that I was just yeah. feeling awful and she was able to push on and keep running more than I could so I think everyone's suffering that last bit obviously because our splits were pretty similar yeah in the last probably 10 miles so yeah, yeah. yeah so it's um yeah and look you know what I just I think too when you take your family over and you spend all that money and you drag you the last thing you want to do is and you've got pay, your crew that have come over with you too it's a big ask and i just um you know i just don't want to let them down either that's a big part of it to be driving force to keep you going but yeah. i think I'm, i probably will never get back there again either so i just didn't want you know i was just going to i said i'll crawl home if i have to get there and slide in you know 30 seconds under 30 hours so be it. but yeah i was just like just get to the end so and i knew i had that time in me given the distance as long as i could keep moving forward so that was yeah. just you let's keep going I mean, would you go back and do it again if you had the chance? Not to my husband. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, yeah, I would, yeah. I said straight after the race, I did the whole, yeah, no, never, never done, never. Tick that, not, not never again kind of thing, which I say after pretty much every big race. But, yeah, um, yeah look, I would. Um, I think I'd do it differently if I went back. I wouldn't take a crew. I'd probably go on my own and just do it on a much smaller scale and um, pick up a pacer over there and just kind of maybe use drop bags and just do it. A little bit lower key um, and safe and not not so expensively you know, stay yeah. out of the whole hype of it and everything like that so yeah. but i think now it's i think i just like now i've seen a race it's nice to be able to go back knowing what it is because nothing could have prepared me mm. really for the mm. race until other than being there i read so much on paper i'd watched youtube video after youtube video and had really studied the race i'd spoken to so many people who had done the race mm. but it was still so different and and harder than i thought it was going to be when i got there I think just having that knowledge of the race um, yeah. just helps to go back and prepare yourself a little bit better. And mentally, you know what you're in for too, and you know the sections where you fell apart and what you, you know, what you could do. Like I think with my nausea and everything, if I'd have probably just stopped for longer and taken a really good break and really tried to settle my stomach and got some more food in, um, in hindsight, that might might have brought me an hour down the track. But yeah. at the time, I was like, oh, I'm still moving. I'm still moving forward. I'm still. I'm, you know, I'm hanging in there. I'm under tight. I'm under what I want to, where I want to be, kind of thing. So I was just like, "Do you keep going? Do you keep pushing?" Or it's that payoff. I think it's ha- having crews to sort of sit you down and make you stop as well sometimes. But then yeah. you've, I've, I'd given instructions that don't want to stop, keep going, push, you know, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, and their jobs to keep you moving too. So that's what they're trying to do. But yeah, I think you know, looking at how sick I was at that back end, and that mm-hmm. really didn't happen until the the, the worst of it was after. Chuck, once we hit Green Gate, as soon as I left the crew at that point, it just imploded. And I had, I think I ate anything really from there. Even a sip of water would make me just vomit. So it was just everything had come up. It was not a thing. So yeah, I was absolutely running on empty. 
was it was it the fact that you'd picked up Kristen, your pacer, that helped you keep moving forward when you were uh, feeling so bad? Like, do you think you would have been able to do it had your pacer not been there with you pulling you along? Yeah, look, I think so because I just think that's kind of who I am. I just I would have nutted it out somehow. Having her just was good for that. Just have someone. Just have, I think in the dark and tired because I was you know so depleted. To your eyes go a little bit funny in the dark, and so she'd point out holes and rocks and if, you know sort of stuff to me just. You know, some some she'd miss and I'd fall in a hole and she'd go, oops, I've missed that one. <laughs> but other ones just to have, it was just, just to have someone to chat to. And then there's other times I think sometimes, pay, you know, with your pace, they're great and they get you along. But if you haven't got someone there, you just kind of put your head down and do it too. Um, I think it goes both ways. And it depends on the sort of person you are. From a safety point of view, I think if you're not feeling great and you're tired, pace is really good. And, look, I, got, I loved experiencing it with someone else too. And she's done the race before, so she was good, but she was yeah, you know, a lot of times she said, I don't remember this bit. I don't remember this hill being so long and I don't remember this bit. And so, yeah, it's because I was like, you never told me about this because I don't remember it being this long. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that was, yeah, but like I said, lovely to share it with someone, yeah. So, but if I went back, I probably would just, I think, go out there and just do it by myself. Maybe if I wanted a pace to pick someone over there rather than, you know, get someone to come all the way. It's such a big ask for someone to do it. But mm. I wouldn't have done anything like differently this year, though. Okay. Okay. That's good. I mean, I think, you know, no, not knowing the course that has its advantages, but also has its challenges. And I think, you know, now that you know, hopefully in the future, you might be able to have a better experience, like knowing what's coming, I guess, where to push, where to hold back, maybe what food didn't work for you this time, maybe something different might work better next time. So I look, I think in any ultra, it's always, it's a trial and error. So I think, you know, with UTA every year, I've done things slightly different and changed things, trained a bit differently and you just keep chipping away at it and learning a bit more. And, um, you know, I mean, training, I I always seem to be fine. doesn't matter what I eat in training. It's always, it's always works for me, but in racing, a lot of the times the ball goes out the window and that's so now that that's ultra running that is a lot of the challenges yeah like i said not knowing the course when you go over there a lot of the times i'm quite happy to not know the course not know what's coming up because i think oh that's that's good i just i've just got to focus on what's in front of me it's all new to me and i don't really have to think too much but um you know when you've run races like uta so many times it's almost comforting to know that you know, you know, oh, this is a familiar bit. I'm going to get up here and then, I've, okay, that hill's over and done with. Now I've got this coming up. You're kind of very familiar. But, yeah, yeah. this was like, oh, when's this bit going to end? Yeah. <laughs> and, <how long? laughs> and there were, you know, hills you would run up in training, but you were just, oh, just it was a trudge. It was a hike, which is frustrating when you, you know, your legs feel okay, but your body, your, your stomach just won't let you play the game. So a lot of frustration there for me, like when I look back on it, of how I felt at the time. But, um you know, it's, it's all part of it. It's Was there anything that could settle your stomach at all? Like None of that time, like bar stopping, I don't think anything would have settled my stomach. There was nothing, everything. I, I tried a lot of things. They were giving me um, like a hot broth they had at the aid stations. It was a top gen. But there's no, no calories in it. Like I could sort of get that down. But, you know, it, it was salty. So I was getting salts, but I needed calories. And so, and then because it was more fluid, just anything that hit my stomach just bounced again as soon as I put my heart rate up a little bit so yeah. and I try everything I try just was like the you know to put it down my mouth and it just bounced you know so you just get to that point where you're fast stopping there's really not much else you can do so you know and I know, I know that as a coach and I know that as a runner that's yeah. what it takes but when you're in that 
you're on a time limit for this race too. So you really don't have that luxury. So it's not like we're, you know, a lot of milers, you have 36, 42, yeah. 40, whatever hours to finish it. You've got 30 hours. So, yeah, you know, in my mind, I was just like, I haven't got time to stop. I've got to keep going. You know, and my, that was my thing. Keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Relentless forward progress. Mm-hmm. Well, you got there in the end and that's all yeah, that matters. What was it like for you running to the finish line? Because the finish line's a bit different in this race. You run around the Or you're in Auburn and you're running around the high school athletics track, which is yep. pretty cool. What was that it's, like for you? In, oh, were you like, amazing. Were you worrying about it? Like, oh, I'm going to have to walk around the track or <laughs> am I going to run the track? Like, well, I, did, I, was, I was determined to run it whether I was, you know, yeah. vomiting or not. I didn't care but. I know everyone laughed because they said, oh, I'm a track runner, so the last 300 yeah. metres is where I'll shine. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, um, uh, oh, look, you, sort of when he came up to the very last climb, we got up to Roby Point and that's, I felt pretty rotten there and I was dizzy and I was like, oh, I've just got to sit down for a minute so that I can get this last bit done. And I remember they were all talking to me and they gave me a little sip of Coke and I said, oh, I, just, I won't have too much. It might come up again. And then the medic came over and I said, oh, I'm just so nauseous. It's doing my head in. I remember he, and he just looked at me and said, there's nothing I can do for you at this point. And he, he was a funny old bloke and he just lifted off his shirt and said, that's all you've got to get. And he showed me his buckle on his jeans, his Western States buckle. And I just said, get me out of this chair. Let's go. So, yeah, and then he pulled me out of the chair. They all clapped and the day sessions. That was amazing. So that sort of spurred you on anyway, knowing you're so close. It was only three kilometres to go. And then we came through another little town that was just people sitting out, out of their houses all lined along the streets with cheese and bickies and this is maybe cups of tea. I don't know what they were having. So it was, <laughs> it was like a party. So so you were feeling like cheese and biscuits at that point. <laughs> it was early in the morning. So maybe, I don't know what they were eating. They might have been there all night still partying on but there was like they'd had lanterns in the trees and um, fairy lights everywhere and they had a list of all the runners names so they called out they looked at your number and called out your name and so that just spurs you on yeah and then um, then my crew met me she one of the crew she met me on the road about a k or so out and gave us an Australian flag she handed that to us so that was good after that it was a nice downhill run then into the across the bridge and into the track so yeah so and then it's just people lining that sort of streets and yeah oh it's maybe getting goosebumps thinking about it but um yeah you come into the track and they just point you in and then there's, there's a speaker someone talking on a microphone announcing you when you're coming in and they talk about you the whole way around the track kind of thing so that's all a bit of a you know you're just hearing white noise really but yeah that's yeah. pretty cool yeah across the line and there's um yeah past you know i think it was magdalena boulay was there to give us she's a previous winner so she was yeah. just beautiful having a big hug so yeah it's and yeah, so we all had our hugs, photos, and I just sat in a chair and had a bottle of water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think was, I remember crawling into the track and just wanting to lay down. I was, I was like, I just got to lay down. Did all Sorry. the feelings go away of, like, the nausea and all the, like, when you were crossing the line running around the track, was all of that kind of a distant yeah. memory? Amazing, yeah. Go on. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, and I didn't vomit after that. I'd stopped. Once I stopped running, I stopped vomiting pretty much. So, yeah, so, yeah got home and we all had a shower and, um, we all just laid down and died for about two hours because everyone was tired, but then we had to get up again and then go back to the track for the presentation. Mm. So, yeah, that was, and that was really hot. It was like super hot there, like over 40 degrees and everyone was in a big tent on the, on the oval. So, but you could just see everyone sort of just crawling around just, but yeah, it's pretty surreal. Yeah. But, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations for getting to the end. I think it's amazing that you did oh. what you did. Um, and I, I think it's even more amazing during that 
um, you know, with what you were experiencing, like anyone could have just gone and, oh, this is not my day. I'm just going to pull out. Um, and I'm not condoning people if they're feeling like dangerously unwell <laughs> to keep going. But obviously you knew your limits and you knew that you could keep going and, yeah. you know, you got to the end and you ticked off the bucket list, yeah. which might become an, another bucket list again one day you never know Honestly, if it happens it ha i hope it, if it happens it doesn't take another seven years but if it can't happen to come up in the next couple of years i definitely consider it yeah it's um yeah. look i think it's just yeah such a special race it's but um but i'm privileged to have been there and done it once so if it never happens again that's cool too so yeah, yeah. yeah there's a lot of other races out there too and you know like i'm i'm running out of time i've this you know you want to tick a few more bucket lists i've got to just work out what they're going to be and Oh, I don't know yeah. if you're running out of time, Simone. I mean, I was reading about someone in this um, Western States book here that was 63 who was competing. I ran with her a lot. It was Megan yeah. Canfield. She's amazing. Yeah, I ran with her for quite a long time. She's a previous top 10 finisher, like multiple, multiple top 10 finishers. And I've actually followed her along for a long time. Um, a friend who was here knew her. He's, he's a Kiwi and yeah. he, um, he was friends. And so he said, when I first entered Western States, I think it was 2015, he said, "I'll oh, make sure you follow this girl. She's yeah. this lady. She's not a girl. She's, yeah." So I did. I followed her. For, so when I, I was actually running with her for quite a while, and we ran, and I said, "Oh, I introduced myself and said I'm friends with blah blah blah." So yeah, so that was um yeah really cool. So we had a good chat for quite a while. But yeah, yeah. she's amazing. What would you uh, if you could give advice to someone who wanted to do Western States? What would be your best advice for them? Prepare for the heat. I think it's probably is one of the biggest things. Yeah, you just get really the the heat. Men, prepare it mentally too because i think there's even physically there's nothing that can really get you ready for it until you've actually run in it mm. um definitely prepare for the downhills that's yeah. said it's the downhill training there is a lot of downhill um there's a lot of up there's a lot of downhill it's the downhill that will will, yeah. will kill you if you want to be able to finish with legs that work that's, <laughs> that's a good tip and i got given that tip multiple times so that's something i really paid attention to um uh, enjoy it if you know don't go out there to win it or anything just go out there and enjoy it and you know go for your finish and just just i soaked every little part of it up which you know i really took it in i just don't think i've the smile left my face for days when i was there in the lead up to it and even during the race even you know there i had my, obviously my low moments when i was vomiting everywhere but um <laughs> you'd still come in and soak each thing up like i still remember most of the checkpoints and i remember seeing scott Jurek and how corner it you know and just going oh my god and giving scott Jurek a big hug just because he was, was him and he was so lovely and i didn't have a phone and kristen's phone it's broken for some reason so we couldn't get a photo which was a bummer yeah so and even she was like i can't believe we didn't get a photo of scott Jurek." <laughs> so that was he was cool but um yeah there's just so many so many great people there that and they're just all wanting they really want you to finish so that's the biggest thing they just you go there every person is invested in that race so you finish whether you're going to win it or you're going to come last as long as you can get across that line in that 30 hours and that's what seems to be the really special thing so go over there with a really open mind and just be there to be a part of it because it is a real privilege i think to be there and that's how i took it i just was like i'm just so lucky that i can't believe i'm here not only were you over there and you had your crew and your husband and everything, but the people at home were watching. Like we were all, I mean, I know we're all local, so we were obviously following our friends and that were running, but like we were all hyped up. So we were following and we were watching the live feed all day. Like it was just, right, who's next in? And then, you know, Alan's finished and then there's a man finished. Like it was just so exciting, like watching as well. Like what did that mean to you knowing that there were people back home that actually were invested in it too? 
Oh, well, so that, that support, I think, in any race you do just carries you through. And I think, you know, we've, we've got such a good community and we all do support each other. And so I think, yeah, I think it was cool for the people that, you know, know the race and, and, and love the race. To know someone that's in it is pretty cool to watch it. So, yeah, and I think having the live feed, because it's only the second year they've had the live feed, so that obviously made it a lot better for people spectating at home rather than just watching it, the tracking number going. So, um, yeah, no, oh, look, it's just, you know, you feel, I thought the sport had so many awesome messages beforehand. I've had so many people say to me afterwards, oh, we watched you from the start to finish. And so that just means, it means a lot because, I mean, you've obviously put the effort into it, but to have, I hope, you know, you don't expect people to sit up and be bored all night, but if you've got people that want to want to follow and are interested, it's really cool. And you know that people are watching and so you can't, that's, and that helps you finish too. You know, you know, there's, you don't want to, you don't want to be that one that doesn't finish and you don't want to go all the way over there and, you know, and, you know, not. I think you let yourself down. You obviously do your best on the day, but um, yeah, I, I wanted to finish because I knew there was people watching, and you know, I've got a lot of clients that you want to try and inspire them too, just to go. It's not always, you know, unicorns and rainbows out there. It's, it's <laughs> super tough, and you might feel hard. You know, feel like you're doing it tough in my classes, but I, I, I put myself through the same sort of punishment out there as well. And you just got to, you know, if you want it bad enough, you'll you'll get there. Mm. So, I think you just got to back, back yourself, trust yourself, back your training, and don't give up on yourself. You know, it's you've got to have that drive, and yeah, if, yeah that's that's what finishing any of these events takes. I wanted to talk to you about um, the fact that you know you are a, on the committee of um, Aura, which is Australia's mm-hmm. Ultra Running Association. You've been the treasurer for like three years now, um, so you've been part mm-hmm. of Aura for a while. And I wanted to specifically ask you about women in ultra running um, and how you've seen the shift, I guess, over, say, the last 10 years since you started running ultras to now. How have you seen, um, I guess, women's role in ultra running change? I don't think, in terms of women's role, I think what we've seen in the last 10 years is just the participation rate of women's increased dramatically. That's been huge. So there's so many women that have just got out there and realised that this is something they can do and enjoy and do with friends. Like there's a real, like I said, the real community around ultra running. And I think um, what we know, like say UTA, the participation rate of females has grown enormously but not so much in probably the 50 and the 100k very much so in the 22s and the 50 in the 22k races which has been a really good introductory race i think by them putting that on has really introduced so many women to trail running and and it's a distance that's really achievable and it's something you can do with your friends and train for and then have a real really good social aspect of it as well which i think that's what's really mm. pushed women into it and now it's good. I'm seeing now that the 50s just creeping up too. The numbers are getting better. People are starting to go, oh, we can do 22. Let's push ourselves a bit further and, and have a go. So that's what we're trying to, from an aura point of view, we're really, because we're, we're specifically ultra running, is really try and encourage women to get beyond that 20 to 30, 40K mark. Yeah. 20 to 30K is a comfortable, doable thing. You don't have to get, you know, that far out of your concept. But stretching up to, you know, when you're going up to 50 or 100 Ks, it's a big, bigger ask, bigger ask on your family, bigger demands. So we're trying to, um, you know, we've, we've done some webinars. We're trying to put out some um, articles and things like that with, to encourage people to push for a bit further with some interesting articles to um, give them advice on how they can run further. And you don't have to double your, your volume in training just to run these bigger events. Um, you can You can do it. You know, it is an achievable thing to do if you've got the right advice. A lot of people just don't, aren't really sure of what to do, so we're trying to um, help a lot of women do that. So in terms, that's, that's I'm the only female on the committee um, 
at the moment anyway so there's been a previous females but at this this point this it's me and the three guys so um but they've all very very supportive of females and you know in now or has you know been seen to be only for elites i think in the past and are very heavy on um the track the track running and things like that but this you know if you look at the our rankings and records and things like that there's so many amazing female runners that have come through that on track running it's just that track running was more popular there for ultras where now trail running has really overtaken that and trail running is becoming and it's more appealing to to women and to be out there and it's good for, it's good for mental health it's good for to be out in nature it's like i said it's a good social outlet it gets and you know i think it really it's just one of the best sports, you know, that I think you can be involved in. I said I'm a bit biased, but um, yeah. So, but yeah, I train a lot of women, and I see what they get out of it, and that's that's what's really good. I see so many people that have gone from oh, I can't run five k's, and then they're doing a twenty two k trail race, and they're crossing that finish line, and they, you know, they just feel amazing. You can see the joy that they've got from not just the race, obviously, but it's a journey that you get everybody going through. And I always say, everyone, you've got to enjoy the journey. Can I enjoy the training? What's the point of doing the race? Yeah. So, you know, if you have negative, every time you get the training run, oh, hey, this is hard, it's too hard. If you think like that, it's always, you're not going to get much out of it. But if you, you turn up every day and you go, you're with your buddies and you have a, a nice run in the sunshine and grab a coffee after, look, life's pretty good. I reckon. And the race, the race is the cream at the end, I always say. And the race, it's, yeah. you know, it's always hard when you're doing it. But if it was, I say, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So, and the thing, you know, the things that you work for are the things that, you know, you get the most reward from. So, yeah, I, yeah we're really, we are really trying to, it's, it's, a it's a developing thing within Aura that we're trying to, you know, it's, like I said, we're, we were a totally new committee when we all started. So, um, yeah, we're trying to do things a little bit differently in terms of, of helping there, but it's, it's a slow process. Plus, we, we started in the, two, in the COVID years. Our first year was when COVID hit in the second year. So there was, was very few races and opportunities to promote things, but now we're back into racing now. So we're just getting our head around what we can do next. And it's, yeah, it's all developing. We're redoing our website and things like that at the moment. So that'll give us more scope to be able to throw more articles and, and we're hoping to do some podcasts and share. We share all of these podcasts too, which I think help women. Yes. I mean, I think it's great to have an array of people sharing and, and like you, you do with your own business and with your own running, like, I guess, just sharing what it's like to be a, not only a trail runner, but an ultra runner and how, how you can get into it. And, and like you said, it doesn't have to be that you're doubling, like it's just because you're running long, doesn't mean that you're doubling everything you do, you know, it's a lot mm. Just got to kind of know what to do and by having people that have experienced have experienced yeah. being able to i guess educate people about that and i guess the more women um that get into ultra running the more women stories that are shared i mean you can see the growth you can see it you can see i i mean i've seen it myself i've been running oh trails and ultras for the best of the last 10 years like you can really see the shift and i think a lot of it has to do with connection so you need to get the women connected first and inspired to want to do it and part of that is actually feeling like they get something out of it not just it's not just about results or it's not just about being fit it's something about just being connected and there's a bigger picture like it's not you know so um, i think it's got to do with it increasing confidence that they get and confidence is a big thing so they've got the connection obviously with the social aspect and yeah. they're running in a group and things like that but i think it's confidence yeah. to know that they're they can do it and yeah. you know a lot of women, a lot of women don't do it because they think oh i can't run that far it's too hard but you just got to start 
when I said, I was, when it was suggested to me to run 100Ks, I was like, you're mad. Yeah. Like, I can't. And then I just went, of course I'm going to do that. Yeah. And it was sort of like I had no doubt in my mind that, and I just went ahead and did what I had to do to get there. But I think, no, it's easier now because I know a lot more. And I think, you know, one thing I would say to people, if you, if you are going to do a, a particular race, talk to people who know that race because, you know, each race has its different um, different little you know, yeah, like some have stairs, some have done, some have more hills than others. So you want to train, you want to be really specific in your training, which will make your training time easy. Everyone's time poor. So you want to make sure that the training you're doing for that specific race is going to be worthwhile and worth you worth worth the time away from your family. Mm. So, you know, they call it junk miles. Don't go out and just run five Ks on a road if you're gonna go and do a you know hilly race that's got heaps of stairs and lots of rocks. Yeah, you know, do you train train specifically for that race and make that training count. You know, there's plenty of coaches, there's plenty of online people, there's plenty plenty of advice out there that um you know people can help. with experience help people can help you with. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I like sharing these stories from all coach. I mean, we've had so many different women on this podcast from all types of running and many coaches as well. People that um you know run ultras, people that run track people that run you know all sorts of things but i think the the key is that they they had a go they found the advice and the connection with their community and they found that proper like the advice that they really needed to help them perform whether you know it was a goal that they had for a time or whether it was just a finish and i think the thing that i want to get out of these podcasts is that um someone could be listening to this today who who had that thought, like they maybe maybe they ran UTA 100 last year and they were like, oh, I actually never knew that that was a qualifier for Western States. What's Western States? Right. Look, if Simone could do it, I could have a go too. Do you know what I mean? So it's all about 100%. empowering women to have a go and then maybe, you know, they might reach out to you and say, hey, Simone, you've ran the race. Can you help me prepare? Absolutely. That's and right. I think um, it's sharing the stories and being open enough to share our experiences to help each other um, and getting more women into trail and ultra running by doing that, which is why I have the podcast pretty much, yeah. not just trail and ultra yeah. running, of course. But you know, oh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic because it's, it's, that's all I want to do is see more women out there doing it. I really do. And I love, I love my job and I love, you know, watching, you know, all these groups of women come out and we all turn in big groups go out and do, in, you know, I stand at that finish line until the very last person comes over. It's probably why I've never got a voice anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I sound like there's a lot actually. So, yeah, so it's one. It's, it's so rewarding for me to see them go through the training and then get out there and, and finish these events. It's just, and I've never seen someone come across the line really without a huge smile on their face, maybe the odd tear, but most of them are really, you know, just so stoked we finished it. It's, it's a really good feeling and you, you can't get that with just going for a walk with a dog, you know. You're never going to get that feeling. And that's, I wish I could, you know, bottle that and show all these people who have doubts or haven't got the confidence to go out and do it themselves. So I understand that not everyone's got the desire to do it and that's fine too. But for those that think, oh, I'd love to do that, but I just I could never do that. You would love to be able to say, just if you could feel like this, knowing you were going to feel like this when you finished, you'd do it 100 times. you just keep going back because there's nothing like that feeling. Is it when you really you've achieved something you've worked hard for, and it's paid off, and there's a massive cheer squad for you at the end, just bringing right. bells going nuts, you know? Right. So feeling that you know, I'm just yeah, I think everyone should experience it once. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to finish off with the hot lab. So I've got five questions for you. 
So the first question is, where is your favourite place to train? Like the National Park, it's in my backyard, yeah, it's easy. I love the Blue Mountains, but yeah, definitely backyard. Yep, yep, okay, yeah, and I mean, we have the best National Park. So many, we've got it's such a big National Park, so many options. You can, I can run 100Ks out there in a day and it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's amazing. Don't have to go far. Yeah. Um, what is the best lube you've used? Oh. <laughs> I just happen to have some. I'm not. This isn't a sponsorship ad. I just happen to have something. Um, two Toms. Oh, I've got Two Toms Sports Shield. Okay. So it's a roll-on, and you can also buy it in a little um, sachet, like a ten-pack sachet. So you can just take keep it in your pack and use it as you go. But the roll-on, I smothered my body in it for Western states, like everywhere, and I had no chafe at all. Awesome. Okay. So, highly um, recommend it. Oh, this might, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this one. What was the, what is your best anti-nausea tip? <laughs> don't share your anti-nausea tablets with other runners. Good tip. I heard about that. You get Alan. No. <laughs> Long story. No, you'd always give another runner something if helping a fellow runner. Yeah. I, That's um, right. Maybe you should have had a few of those in your pack. I yeah. had three and I, I'd use one and I thought, I had a spare one, but when I got to use the third one, the third packet was actually empty, but it looked full when I packed it. Oh, no. So I thought I had the other one, but it didn't, but that's all right. So the tip is make sure you've packed your gear and checked it. <laughs> how many you've actually got, make sure the blister's not open. <laughs> yeah. um, I use, for those, I mean, they don't always work, but it's, it's, there's just the Zofran um, and Dozatron, or on, on, on Danzatron, it's called, yeah, Zofran wafers. You just put them under your tongue. So they do give, they give them to chemo patients. So it's something you can get, um, can get it on a scrap. Not sure if you can get it over the counter. It's a script thing, but, yeah, they do help. Yeah, so, right. some. I might actually get some for my next big race because I suffer bad from nausea after the yeah. event. Yeah, big, big I don't think they, I find they don't work as well during the event, but they are good for after because I tend to be quite nauseous for a while after, you know, especially UTA for some reason that just yeah. always has me sick for hours after the race, but they do help. Okay, yeah. all right, good to know. Um, what was your favourite part of Western States? The first, I... I in the if you're talking about the race the climb from the start up to the top of the escarpment that was just mind-blowing because it was just you couldn't run a lot of it it was sort of a run walk run walk but I've talked to so many people and then when you finally summit they made a big thing of saying make sure you stop at the top and turn around and look at the sun um, rise over Lake Tahoe and I just got up there and there was so many people up there ringing bells and it was just um yeah so to turn around I just went Oh, it, was just, it was just amazing to just go, oh, my God, we're actually here, we've done it. And yeah. there was a girl I met, you know, just on the race and we were chatting and her and I just had a little scream and just hugged and we're like, oh, well, she was ex as excited as I was. So that was just a really special moment going through there. So, yeah. I, I will, just remember, yeah, remember that start because everything's all, yeah, we don't even remember going for an hour, not even an hour. And yeah. everything's pretty fresh then. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. But I just remember the view, looking back over, the view was stunning, the whole place, yeah. 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 So that, that was a special moment. I will put a link to your race report in the show notes as okay. well so people can read all about it um, for anything we didn't cover. Um, my last question is, if you could tell someone anything about your running journey to inspire their own, what would it be? Um, I never thought I could do, I was. I never set out to do any of this running. I never set out to be the Australian team. I never set out to run Western States or any of these miles. It was not nowhere when I started running not on my radar at all um 
I don't even really know how it all happened. <laughs> just kind of evolved and you know, a couple of races led to other things and meeting and meeting people. But um, I just think what to just um, have faith in yourself. So if if you're gonna if you want to do something and you want and you've got sort of you know aspirations to do something big, don't think that you can't do it. Um, because really, if you put the work in, you can do anything. So that's I would just say. Like, I, I honestly never thought that this was something that I was going to end up doing with my life and be so involved in running. I just enjoyed running. So to now be so heavily involved like I am now, and um, you know, I know so many people in the running community and have made so many great friends and. I just love it. I'm so entrenched in it now. And then to be involved with Aura and I'm actually going um, to Berlin in three weeks to um, manage the Australian 100K World Champs team. Yeah. So that's really exciting too. So that's, and, yeah, so that's given me opportunities I would never have thought. And, you know, I've travelled now to race in France and travelled in Australia and so I've come. So just, yeah, it's I never saw this happening. My husband never saw it happening. He didn't think he'd have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the wife. I'm not the wife he married, so he keeps telling me. But um you know it makes it makes me happy i enjoy it i love what i do i love the people i'm surrounded with all the time so yeah i don't know if that answers the question i'm probably going off track but no no it definitely answers the question and mm -hmm. like you know i think it's exciting to watch your journey still unfold i mean this isn't the end for you just because you finished western states it's still <laughs> way more to come and um, we look forward to sharing in your journey moving forward what's next for you Coastal Classic I'm doing with my clients and when I get back from Berlin so that could be ugly because I haven't done really any stair training myself because there was no stairs in Western States not because I've been sick so I'm just going to enjoy that day out and then I'm doing the Bondi to Manly Ultra in November so the 80k and then that'll be hopefully a good training run for Coastal Cozy if I can jag an entry to that in December so that's my next plan and then yeah next year possibly go back to the track for yeah, back to the track for another year year on of track that's my that's my plan so far well thanks for joining Imagine. us simone today and i look forward to talking to you well on the tracks and the trails thanks nick thank you for having me we'll have to get out for a run absolutely let's do that <laughs> Well, I hope you loved this episode with Simone Hayes. I hope you got a lot out of this episode and what Simone has talked about in terms of Western States. If you'd like to know more about Western States Endurance Run or more about Simone and what she can offer you, I will put all the links to that information in the show notes, including her race report, which you might like to read. This will be the final episode in Season 2 of the RMA Podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening in and I'd like to thank our sponsor, Physiocram Australia, for keeping us on the air. I look forward to bringing you some episodes after I have taken a little bit of a break, a much-needed break, I must say, after running this podcast for two years straight now. But you can head back and listen to any of the episodes of the podcast um, which are available for you online and I'll be sharing those over the next few weeks during my hiatus. Thank you so much for listening in and I will speak to you next time.